Well, it's so wonderful to be here. And uh, again, I'm glad that there's no political chaos going on like the last time. Eh? Gee, that was, that was quite something. Why don't you just close your eyes? I, I just want to sing something. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of the earth will grow strange. Lead them in the light of His glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of the earth will grow strange. Leading in the light of His glory and grace. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And Lord, while chaos seems to reign around us, Lord, and hopelessness sometimes like a creeping shadow seems to come, and despair, Lord, like a massive thundercloud wants to overwhelm, Jesus, you're the light of the world, and you shine. We just set our affections on you. We set our focus on you. We set our eyes on you, as we've been doing already this whole morning. It's the, it's the most important reason we're here, Lord, today, is to set our gaze on you again. And Lord, where our lives and our hearts have got out of time and where things have become important this week and this month and this year, and we have found ourselves, Lord, not even aware of the reality of who you are, Jesus, again this morning, we just want to say we're putting our eyes on you. We're setting our eyes on you, Jesus. We want to see you. We want to see you, Jesus. We just welcome you here, Holy Spirit. We, we thank you that you are always... You're always at work. There's never a moment where you're not busy. And I pray that you would enable us, Lord, just in these next few moments to continue to cooperate with you. And I want to welcome you, Holy Spirit, to do what only you can do. I just want to state completely, Lord, our dependence upon you, Lord. There is nothing that we can bring in and of ourselves that will have a lasting effect in the lives of these beautiful people who Jesus shed his blood for. And I ask, Lord, that you would come, Holy Spirit, that where you are, Lord, there is freedom. And I thank you that, that people this morning would, would experience the reality, not the idea, not the reality, the reality, an experience that is a reality, that there is freedom for them. 
in this place this morning. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Come and have your way. I pray that we'd not get in your way. We pray that we'd not go ahead of you. We pray that we'd not lag behind. But Lord, would you please just be free to do whatever you want to do, irrespective of the channel of... I thank you that you're not going to come through the very narrow gap of who Nicole and I are this morning. You're going to be busy with things that have nothing to do with us because that's the kind of God you are. I pray for your incredible work in this place this morning that would shift and change things, that would liberate people for the glory of your name. Just, just let Jesus know this morning how much you love him. Just tell him. We love you this morning, Jesus. We want to tell you that. We want to set our face to look at you, to find you, to seek you, to know you. We worship you, Lord. Amen. So it, is, it always, is always a privilege to, it's always a privilege to go to any church and to be invited in. And, and uh, we never take that for granted. We never, we never look at a moment like that where people open their hearts and their lives to us and say, won't you just come be with us for a couple of days? And, uh, but it's incredibly special when it's people that you count as friends. And so it's, uh, it's been wonderful to be with you in your home again, Visi and Sumin. And... Um, They've got a, it's the bed that they provide is adequate, it's comfortable. The mozzies are, are not so, so bad. Um, the fan works, praise God for that. Eh? Jeez. We come from the land of AC, air conditioning. Our whole lives are conditioned by these things called ACs, whether they're central or split units. So you suddenly come into a place and you have to rely on this interesting apparatus. That thing worked the whole night last night. It's one of the coldest nights of your year. We had the, the, the fan on. Feel like a, a helicopter's coming in to land. It's a, so thank you for having us and um, opening your hearts to us. I, we just wanted to take some time. I'm going to preach in a moment. I've got a message I feel like the Lord's given me for you as a church, just following in on, on the message that I came with last year. But uh, just, just a few people that the Lord wants us to highlight. There's some, maybe some prophetic words and some words of knowledge. I think there's some people here that God wants to touch this morning. Amen? You guys are right, eh? Amen. During worship, I just felt, um, I felt this, um, I felt to say there is a war that is raging. There is a war that is raging over this nation at the moment. There is a war that is raging over your family. There is a war that is raging over your life. There's a war that rages in our minds. And the Father has given us the ability to overcome that. And, and the thing is, we need to be reminded and encouraged that we are on the winning side that we don't lose. No matter what happens, we don't lose. And I just felt the Father say, please tell them, remind them that there's a war that's raging, but that they need to put on the full armor of God and hide themselves in me. And um, he took me to two scriptures during the worship um, that I want to read, Psalm 56, just, just part of it. When I am afraid, 
I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. It's a simple progression that when I feel afraid, I recognize I'm feeling afraid and therefore I put my trust in God. And when I put my trust in God, then I realize I'm not afraid anymore. And um, I think I just wanted to encourage you to put your trust in God. Put your trust in God through this season. And then he took me to Psalm 57. And it says, Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. For, you, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I take refuge. Till the storms of destruction pass, I cry out to the God Most High, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. And there's a promise for you that God, his, his word and his promises still stand for you today. They can't change. They won't change. They still stand. His purposes will come to pass for you, for your family, for this church, for Bulawayo, for Zimbabwe. His promises still stand. And all we have to do, all we have to do while this war is raging, while all these different wars are raging, is to hide in the shadow of his wing, to hide in our Father. But we have to actively do it. We can't just walk away or pretend it's not happening or say, oh, well, here we go again. But to hide in the shadow of his wing, to let our soul take refuge in him. So there are, I felt that there were a couple of people are just spending time this morning. And uh, I, hope you, I hope you see something of, of how God wants to speak. I, I, I'm pretty sure you don't because you have this situation here because of the the kind of leaders that lead you, that uh, you, you know that God wants to use every single one of his sons and daughters to cooperate in his family business. Amen? So, so we are not slaves. We are not, uh, we are not people that are, that, are, that are working as slaves in a master's business. We, we are sons and daughters who have vested interest in our father's business. Jesus said this. He said, um, I, I've come to do my father's will. He, he says, I'm busy with my father's business. It's like there was this thing in Jesus' life. He understood he was the son of God. When he's getting baptized on that day, the heavens open over him and he hears this voice. Actually, he didn't hear it. The people around him heard this voice speaking to Jesus, saying this, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And uh, it's a beautiful thing that Jesus knew. He knew he was the son of God. And what he opened up for us is that we could be sons and daughters that begin to cooperate in our father's business. And so he has the, he has the question is, what is the father, father busy with? What is his business? His business is always people. His business is always, Jesus came to destroy the works of the evil one. And while the Lord is busy, the devil is busy too. There's stuff that he's busy with in people's lives. And so we can constantly, as we come into different situations, as we go about our everyday life, we can live in the place where we are blissfully unaware of the business that our Father is busy with, or we can start to cooperate as sons and daughters, that wherever we go, whether we're in our work situation, whether we're at school, whether we're just going about life in this, this city, in this town that we live in, whether we're traveling to the nations, the questions we need to be asking is, Lord, what is it that you're busy with, and how do I cooperate with you? And so this morning, I was just sitting...
quietly just and I asked the Lord, I said, Father, what is it that you're busy with? What's going on in people's lives? And God speaks, you know, he's a speaking God. You know, he's not a God like one of those idols that you kind of sit in front of and you kind of have this one-way conversation. You're part of a religion where you have this one-way conversation. No, no, this is a God who, who is relational. From the book of Genesis all the way through to the book of Revelation, he's a speaking God and he wants to communicate. And he communicates in different ways. He communicates through dreams. He communicates through visions. That means while you're awake, you have this picture, this kind of this movie or a still picture that is a description that has a meaning that needs to be interpreted that God wants to speak about. And so you'll have a picture in your mind, and actually that picture then will cause you to ask questions of God. Or there'll be literally in your mind, there'll be a, a, a thought that will come to mind, uh, like happened with me this morning, and God, God speaks in that way. And Jesus said this, he said, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow. The greatest adventure you can ever be involved in is being a follower of Jesus Christ. Finding his footsteps and getting in those footsteps and following in them. And most of the time, we're a little bit like a herd of cats. You know how hard it is to herd cats? Have eh? you ever tried that? It's impossible. We don't want to be like that. We want to be like sheep who, who hear the voice of our master, who hear the voice of our king, who hear the voice of our father, who hear the voice of our friend, and we follow with him. And I'm starting to realize that I don't just notice things for no good reason. And so as I'm going about my everyday life, when I see someone that is sick, or I see somebody that is distressed, or I hear a sound, God is making me aware of something because there's something that God is either busy with or He wants to get busy with in that person's life. And so you can be driving around, you could be walking into a shopping center, you could be walking into a, a shop to buy something, you could be going on holiday somewhere, you could be in any place, you could be on your own at home, and God begins to speak to you about people that He is busy with. He has business that he's doing in people's lives. And so I felt God just speak to me about a couple of people this morning. I felt God say to me, and I, it's already been confirmed as I walked in with Kali and I were chatting. So he's, he's, if he's the only one, then it was for him. But I felt God say to me that there are people that are struggling with migraines. Uh, it's either something that you don't usually struggle with, but you just, or you something you often struggle with. How many of you struggle with migraines? That's that severe headache where you need to almost shut the, the curtains. You can't look at a bright light. And I felt specifically that it's coming from behind people's eyes. It's like the pain is so incredibly intense. It's just behind your eyes. How many of you struggle with that? Why don't you stand? Stand right now. How cool is that, eh? I'm always grateful when, when God speaks that he, people respond. Wonderful. So just where you are, just because healing is a gift we receive, and healing is a gift we receive in two ways. One is we receive it as somebody who needs to be healed, but also we receive healing as somebody who's going to be praying for somebody. A gift is a divine enablement. And so sometimes what God wants to do is He wants to release the gift of healing. He wants to give the gift of healing that will enable other people who are well, who are strong, who are, who are fit, who are not sick, to lay hands on others. And as they do, something will change. Something supernaturally will change. And we thank God for doctors, and we thank God for medicine, and we thank God for the privilege that we have all of that in our day. But one of the things that we can know is that God is, is more keen to heal us and touch us. And so just where you are now, just stand where you are. Those of you who want to see people heal people, want to see God heal people, sorry, through you, why don't you go up to those people and just put your hand gently on their shoulder, and we're going to pray. Let's do it now. 
you thought you come to church and you're going to watch stuff happen, eh? No chance. You're going to participate here. So I'm going to pray. And you don't need to pray anything profound. The only thing you need to pray, and sometimes you don't even need to use words. Just pray it in your heart. Jesus, let your kingdom come. That means that the order of heaven would come into these people's lives right now. Lord, we thank you today that you are Lord and you are King. And that Jesus, where you are King, you set things in order. That's even in our physical bodies. And so different people will have different reasons for why they are getting these migraines, Lord. Some of it will be stress-related. Some of it will got to do with hormones. Some will got to do with the diet that they're currently on. Some of it will got be with something that's going on in their, their, their body, possibly something going on with their eyes. There's all kinds of things medically that could be going on in these people's bodies. You know all of it. You see all of it. But this thing immobilizes people. It stops people from living the kind of quality of life that you intended. And so in the name of Jesus right now, we thank you that this would stop. We thank you that these migraines would stop in the name of Jesus and that healing would flow to them. I thank you, Lord, that as people are laying hands now on them, that the people being prayed for would receive the gift of healing. It's not something they deserve. It's not something they earn. It's not something they work for. Lord, it's a gift. You don't bring sickness on us. Sickness is not from you. God, you, you, you always act against sickness. Wherever you went, you acted against conditions that were out of line with perfection. And so we pray for perfect health right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for an anointing on those who are laying their hands upon people right now, that they would begin to partner with you in believing you, God, to do something in people's lives right now, that these migraines would stop. Even those who feel this, the, the side effects or the, the looming of a, a migraine coming, we say no to it in Jesus' name, and we pray right now that there would be healing that would begin to flow in Jesus' name. Just receive, just receive what God's doing to you for you, in you, through you. Just receive it. Just begin to say thank you. Maybe you're even feeling like that thing's right there, right now. Lord, I thank you that you were just lifted in Jesus' name. Just lifted in Jesus' name, right now. Right now, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I felt that there were people here this morning uh, that you, you regularly struggle. Just keep receiving. Don't, don't, don't stop praying. Some people that struggle with sinusitis, that means that your, your sinuses constantly get blocked. That also causes um, congestion, but also it causes a, a feeling of kind of thick-headedness, and you, you kind of often results in headaches. Those of you who struggle with sinusitis, you can stand as well. We're going to trust God to heal you. Sinusitis, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Right now, just lay hands on yourself. Put your hand on your, those around those people. Get your hands on them, but just... For those people who've been prayed for, just put your hand like this on your sinuses, this area here. Lord, I thank you that you would just begin to heal, that the fire of God would begin to burn through people's sinuses, that all of that congestion, all of that gunk, all of that stuff, all of the inflammation, all of those, uh, those, those organisms that have begun to, to take hold in those sinuses, Lord God, we command them to, to let go in the name of Jesus, to shrivel up and die. And right now, that clarity would come in Jesus' name. We, we command the post-nasal drip to stop the secondary infections in the name of Jesus right now. We command them to go right now in Jesus' name. Just breathe in really deep. Thank you, Lord, right now. Just the fire of God, Lord. No more, Lord. No more antihistamines needed. No more 
courses of antibiotics in Jesus' name right now. Just heal them, Lord. I felt like there, was peop- there were people here who had, uh, felt God say there were people here with arthritis in their hands. You've got arthritis in your hands or your fingers. Who's got arthritis in their hands and their fig- fingers? Why not you stand? Just as you stand, just as you stand, just believe God's going to begin to heal you. Just right there, just begin to receive it. Sometimes it's, nothing's happening. We don't feel anything happening in the natural. My breath, stand with your hands like this. That means you're ready to receive something. Close your eyes. Just close your eyes. Jesus, thank you for this wonderful man. I don't know why, but I think his hands are important to him, Lord. It's got to do with what he does. And I just thank you right now, Lord. I thank you that the fire of God would just come, Lord God. He's felt the pain, that, that just that incredible pulsing pain, that aching pain in his joints. Lord, I thank you that that would go in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That arthritis, that immobilizing disgusting disease that comes and begins to attack people's joints. In the name of Jesus, you be loosed right now. 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 In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, for the oil of heaven. Just to begin to oil those joints right now. Burn out every bit of arthritis. Lord Jesus, just a freedom, a mobility in those joints again. In the name of Jesus right now. In Jesus' name right now. Just keep receiving. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. You don't work for it. It's a gift you receive. All of us are scoundrels. All of us have, 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 don't deserve what God's giving. The goodness and the kindness of God. Healing is the children's bread. It's not something that we earn or deserve. It's something that uh, God gives to us because He's good. Thank you, Lord, right now. You just heal, Lord Jesus. Just the oil of heaven just being poured on people's lives right now. In Jesus' name. And I felt, I'm not sure if there's one or if there's, there's a couple of you, I, I felt like the Lord just speak to me about a knee injury, and I think it had to do with sport. I, I think it's an AC, uh, ACL uh, injury, just an cruciate uh, ligament, ligament uh, that anterior cruciate ligament. Somebody got, got, his knee got hurt, and that thing is now affecting your life now. Somebody has had a, an injury on their, on their knee. Is it you? Wonderful. Those people that are there, that lady, just put your hand on that knee. Which knee is it? By? Just I'm interested. The right. Okay. And this lady here, which, which knee is it? The left. I felt, I felt something on my left knee. You don't play rugby, you two, eh? Okay, so this wasn't a rugby injury. <laughs> so just right now, just somebody, one of the ladies, just get your hand on the knee there. You know, one of the things that we'll feel sometimes, we actually feel heat going through our hands. It's the most amazing thing. It's not weird. It's beautiful. It's just a sign. God's showing us that He's doing something. Because otherwise we wonder, is God actually doing something here? So right now, as His hands have been laid on those knees, in the name of Jesus, we thank You, Lord, that You could literally repair, torn, damaged, ruptured, cruciate, uh, anterior cruciate ligaments. Lord God, I thank You right now, in the knee right now, in the name of Jesus, that healing will come. That strength will come, Lord Jesus, that, that where there's been an immobilizing of these ladies, a slowing down, Lord God, they're young ladies. I thank you right now in the name of Jesus that there would be healing that would come to them now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And then I lastly felt that there's some, someone here who, 
who, uh, or possibly a couple, you've got stomach ulcers. You've got problems, problems with your stomach, but it's specifically stomach ulcers. You found out that you've got ulcers in your stomach. And I want you to stand as well, because God wants to touch you and heal you. Problems with your stomach. You found out that, uh, that there's ulcers. There we go. Anyone else? My friend, why don't you just raise your hands like this? Both your hands. Just raise your hands high. Just close your eyes if you don't mind. Jesus. I felt the Lord say that the, that the reason people have ulcers, and I, and I think you're the only one. Incredible stomach pains, cramps. It's been because of, uh, it's been because of anxiety. And Lord Jesus, I thank you that the peace of God would flood this man's life. That Lord Jesus, he would know what it is to live, Lord, in the midst of incredibly challenging things and that his heart wouldn't be full of a storm, but there would be peace. And I hear Jesus standing, I see Jesus standing in front of you and I hear him saying to you, peace, be still. And Lord, I pray that the storms in his life would quieten down and Lord Jesus, that you would supernaturally right now, in Jesus' name, that those ulcers would just, they would literally just close up. The lining of his stomach, where there's been this acidic thing that has been working and working and working. Lord God, we tell the cause of that to stop in Jesus' name. And we pray right now that where there has been damage to that stomach wall, I literally, Lord, I see these ulcers just, I see them drying up. And I see the stomach lining just coming into right order in the name of Jesus right now. Right now, Lord God. Right now. The pain will stop. The excruciating pain will stop. The bleeding will stop in Jesus' name. And that there will be complete healing to the stomach lining now in Jesus' name. Amen. So it would be really good if... If in the next couple of days you have a testimony of God having done this. So healing works like this. I always want to trust God that it's instantaneous and God does that often. But sometimes what God will do is nothing will change initially, but he'll begin to do something and then suddenly this thing will manifest. And one day you'll realize, hey, I actually don't have any pain left in my hands. It's gone. And one day you'll realize I don't have stomach cramps anymore. And you'll, you'll go get it checked out. And actually the doctors are saying, I have no explanation for this, but you don't have ulcers anymore come and tell those stories because what what happens when you tell the stories of what god has done one we give god honor and we honor god and we say thank you it's an amazing story in the bible where those i think it's the 10 lepers are healed the 10 and only the one comes back and says thank you and you know i felt god say to me a while ago kevin gratitude unlocks grace gratitude unlocks grace grumpiness doesn't unlock grace and, and, and being um, ungrateful. And we need to be people that when God does something, we need to say thank you. And even while he's still doing it, we begin to thank him in advance. Father, you are good and you are going to finish. You didn't identify me that morning for no good reason. You identified me because you wanted me to know that you see me, you hear my cry, you're involved in my life, and you want to touch my life. And my bud, I don't know what it is about you, eh? 
Every time I come here, a tall man with a beard, every time I've come here, you stick out to me. And your wife is maybe sit somewhere else because it's your fault, bro. You're like a lightning rod. It's a boom. But I want to tell you something, bud. God sees you. I know I prophesied over you last time. don't remember what I said, but I'm telling you, God sees you. And he knows you. And he cares about you. And he's after you. There's no way you can hide from him. There's no way you can hide from his love. He sees you. And I tell you, I watch you. When you see this stuff happening, there's a th- wrestle in you. Is God real? Is God real? I'm telling you, my friend, he's real. And he's going to show himself to you in the most incredible, extravagant ways. And I want to say to his wife, I can't remember your name. No, not married. Who's, what's happening? Was it your brother last time? Okay, well then God digs you, bro. <laughs> Jeez, they look exactly the same. There's something on your family then, eh? Just there's something awesome. No, no, not just the beard. There's something about you. There's something about you as a family. It's like God absolutely loves you guys, eh? So the lady sitting next to you, I just want to say to you, I I saw today, I saw the Lord Jesus just coming like this. And I've seen him do it already. I don't know what happened from the time I was standing. I turned around and I saw you. I saw something was on you. And I I feel like the Lord is going to lift something off of you. I don't know what's happened. I don't know what's happened with you, and I don't know what's going on, but it's like there's been stuff that's been put on you that's not from God. And God, God Jesus, is going to lift things off you. I don't know, there's a, there's, a, there's a heaviness, there's been a despair, there's been a answer. God, Jesus, is going to lift things off you. And he says this to you, he says, Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you. God's going to take yokes off of you, and he's going to put a yoke on you. There's going to be something of... A, a, like a burden that will come on you that is from God. It'll be for people, it'll be for situations, but there are yokes and burdens that we sometimes carry that are not from God. Jesus didn't put them on us. And Jesus is lifting some things off of you, and Jesus is putting things on you. The Bible says that He'll bestow upon us. He'll bestow upon us beauty for ashes. And I feel like God wants to take beauty, and He wants to put, not physical beauty, but He wants to put a beauty on you that comes from His hand. It's something of being connected with Him. That when people see you, there'll be something that'll shine out of your life. Amen? Hey, God, God loves people. Eh? He loves people. He loves people. Amen. Well, I better get on with the job I was given to do, which is to preach a three-point sermon. What is your name again? Sorry? Marshall. So it's an amazing thing. You were here on Friday night to the young people, and, I, and I, when I looked at you, I just heard the word wise man. Just heard this wise man. So I don't know. Chatted to Nicole. She said something. She shared something with you. But I, I felt like there's a, there's, a, there's a wisdom that God is going to give you that is beyond your years. There's a man, young man by the name of Elihu in the book of Job that you need to go read up on. It's right towards the end of Job. You might have read about him before. He's the youngest of Job's friends, and all of Job's friends have been giving Job the kind of counsel that isn't from God. It makes sense in the natural, but it's not, it's not the counsel that he really needs. And I felt like God is going to use you like an Elihu, and, and he says this. He says, I, I knew that age should speak, and that, that because I'm young, 
I should wait my time and that I didn't really have anything to say. But then he said, I've come to realize that wisdom comes from the breath of the Almighty. It comes from the breath of the Almighty. And so when God speaks and God whispers and when God breathes over a man's life, actually there's incredible wisdom in the content of the words that he begins to speak. And then he speaks almost in the first person. He speaks on behalf of God almost in the first person and begins to interview Job and he begins to speak. And I feel like God has, you, you've, you've had to go through a journey because in your life you've been an incredibly gifted. In many ways you've been an incredibly privileged young man and you've experienced things. And, and one of the struggles that you've always had to wrestle with is the thing of humility. And uh, you've thought, looked at people who claim to be humble and you've realized it's got nothing to do with humility. They're actually shrinking back from what it is that God has called them to be. But humility is actually to come into agreement with God. And I believe that God is going to position you and He's going to posture you. He's going to put you in places where you're going to be next to the ears of people and the wisdom of God will flow through your life. And uh, nowadays when you, you say to somebody, he's a wise man, he thinks he's a wise man, that's a bit of a, it's, a, it's an insult. It's like that guy's arrogant. That guy thinks he's clever. Who does he think he is? He thinks he's such a wise man. But I felt like God say, he's a wise man. And I feel like God wants to take you and he wants to bring you into a place where you fear the Lord like you've never feared the Lord before. You understand who God is. You understand who you are in relation to God. Both the awesomeness of who He is and your insufficiencies and your inadequacies. But you're somebody who fears God in trusting God. And I feel like God is going to take you. He's going to position you. I mean, you're clearly a leader. God's clearly called you to leadership. And the journey in leaders' lives is sometimes a very, very interesting journey. It's a journey often of loneliness. It's a journey of being misunderstood. It's a journey of people being jealous. It's a journey of, of leaders making incredible mistakes and being humbled by God and God taking us through all kinds of things. But I want you to know that God wants to use you. There's, there's something intentional in the heart of God that He wants to use you in this, that you're going to be one who will stand in front of, and not stand in front of a, as in terms of a crowd, but you'll stand in front of His head of and lead people into. There are people that God wants to lead out of things and into things that He's going to use you to do that with but you're a wise man you need to begin to ask god god teach me your ways teach me your will teach me what wisdom from heaven really looks like and as you begin to be used by god in that you're going to see people come into freedom and into liberty you're going to come and go a lot as well i felt god say there's going to be in terms of this nation i think god's going to take you into places where he's going to but really what he's called you to do is to make an incredible impact in this nation you understand it. There have been times you try to run away from this country, leave this place and never come back. But you keep coming back. You keep coming back. It's because God has something that He wants to do in you. He's going to begin to inform your mind and your heart around things that are things of the agenda of heaven. They're not the agenda of men, the agenda of heaven. You keep humble. You remain a servant of God and His people. And you watch what God begins to do. God will do some incredible things for your life. Amen. Marshall, wise man. Amen. So I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to speak this morning about living by faith and not by sight. Living by faith and not by sight. So one of the, one of the things that can be the greatest downfall for us is this incredible gift of natural sight. I think blind people, people who are blind in the natural, are incredibly privileged in some sense. Because they're not moved by what they see, they're moved by what they hear. 
And their ability to hear is something that is so finely tuned. They, they, they have to learn heavily on their other senses. So they learn to lean on their, on their, on their, their sense of touch. They, they even lean on their sense of smell, but they lean very definitely on their sense of hearing. And I think one of the things that God wants us to do is to not allow the incredible gift of our natural sight to become a stumbling block for us. Because some of the reality of what we see happening around us can start to inform the temperature of our hearts and can start to cause us to waver in a way that God never wanted us to be wavering. And so one of the things that God wants to speak to us again and again today is that if we're going to join Him in the incredible adventure of what He was doing in individuals' lives, what He's doing in cities, what He's doing in nations, and what He's doing around the world, one of the things that we're going to have to be careful of is not allow our natural sight to get in the way of what we're actually hearing from God. Because sometimes what we're hearing from God is very different to what we're seeing with our natural eyes. And I'm trusting, and I felt like God wanted to just, in a fresh way, not come and patronize you beautiful Zimbabwean people, but He wanted to encourage you that even in this time where things seem so hopeless, where things seem so out of control, where things seem like, They've not only hit the wall, but they're lying on the ground broken in terms of this nation, in terms of the economy, in terms of what's happening politically, that God would begin to sow into your hearts an ability to be a people who in this time see something that is not apparent, see something that is not visible in the natural, begin to see something that is shaped by what they're hearing from heaven. I thought it was very good, but I don't know, I just... Uh, just about preached myself into a coma there. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 6, it says, Therefore, how's this statement? Therefore, we are always confident. Say always confident. The Bible can be a real problem for us sometimes when we read it. Because I'm not sure that that's ever been true of me. That I'm always confident. I have some friends that are like that. It's like they have the gift of self-assurance. I, I believe sometimes I have the gift of self-doubt. The gift of uncertainty. The gift of speculation. The, 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 the gift of, of, uh, of, of, of cynicism. And those are not gifts that you want. The gift of, yeah, but... This guy here, Paul is writing, he says, but we are always confident and, that, and, we, and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. And so I'm going to do one of the things that, that people who teach you how to preach tell you you shouldn't do. I, I'm, I'm going to lean away from the context of what Paul is speaking about. You can go read the context. What I'm saying is not out of line with the context. I'm watching Vessi get nervous here in the front row. The Bible college students trying to check me out here. The context here is Paul is speaking about the resurrection. He's speaking about a, when we die, it's not the end. When we die, it's actually only the beginning. And just like Jesus' body was resurrected, we are going to be resurrected. And we're not going to be given this old clunky body that we have. We're going to be given, be given a resurrected body. And so that's the context of what he's talking about. He's talking about this is not the end. And he says this incredible thing. And oftentimes... When, when Paul is writing, he, he is speaking about a very specific context. 
and it's related to that context, but he makes a universal point. He makes a point that is far bigger than that context, and this is what's going on in the Scripture here. He says, firstly, we are always confident and know that as long as we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. And then he says this. He says, for we live by faith and not by sight. We live by faith and not by sight. That speaks to me about the fact that I don't come to church. And when I come to church, in that hour or two that I'm here, that's when I'm operating in this thing of, okay, I'm operating in faith now. No, no, my whole life is defined by this thing. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved by faith. I don't live by what I see. I don't respond to what I'm seeing. I don't get happy based on what I'm seeing. I don't get sad based on what I'm seeing. I don't get anxious based on what I'm seeing. I live my life by faith. And so this whole journey of, of faith is an incredible journey. I recently preached a message that faith equals trust. Faith is not a complicated thing. Faith is not a formula. I think the charismatics have grabbed hold of this idea of faith and they've made it a whole lot of other things. And actually it's so complicated because there's all kinds of things that you've got to do. You've got to, you've got to rub the genie, the lamp, you know, the genie's lamp on the side so many times. And if you don't say in Jesus' name and if you don't say bless God and if you don't say I'm blessed coming in and going out. And, and there's this whole language that the faith world has taught us that I'm not trying to mock anyone. I'm just saying it's very complicated. I, I'm, just, I'm a little bit dim. I, I, I struggle to keep up with those clever people. And so for me, faith really has to be who are you trusting? And, and trust means to, is, is, is leaning confidently upon. And so who are you leaning confidently upon? Jeremiah chapter 17 is a beautiful, beautiful scripture. It paints a picture for us of, of, of a man who trusts in God and a man who trusts in his own arm. The man who trusts in God becomes like a tree that is planted next to a stream. It's this beautiful, beautiful picture of this massive trees, this tree. I, I, I live in a place where there are very few trees. And so one of the things that I always do when we drive out of the Bulawayo Airport is the first thing that strikes me along that road is just the beautiful, beautiful trees. Those marilla trees and catch, I don't, you don't catch too many boobabs here. But that time we went up to Vic Falls last time, we're not going this time. I don't know what we did last time that we're not going this time. It's, like a, it's actually quite tough. It's really tough. But as we were driving up there, these beautiful, beautiful trees. You don't get those trees in, uh, in the place that I live. Very, very few trees. Maybe shrubs. Lots of sand. Lots of camels. Beautiful picture of a tree planted by the stream. It's got fruit dripping off of it. It's, it's the most incredible picture. It's, that's the man who trusts in God. But the man who trusts in his own arm, he's like a tumbleweed. He's just like wherever the wind blows, that dry tumbleweed, that picture in, in, in the Western movies that you watch. You know, you watch a Western and you see kind of this tumbleweed kind of coming down the middle of town. That's the man who trusts in his own arm. Friends, this life of faith is, is a life of trust. It's trust in a person. It's trust in a father. It's a trust in an older king brother. It's a trust in a, a friend who's been, who's been given to me by the father who is the greatest gift that I could ever receive. He's called the paracletos, the one who comes to walk beside me, the Holy Spirit. 
And he doesn't shout, he whispers. And so often in my life, what I can do is I can become so busy with my life that I stop hearing his voice. And he, he becomes somebody that gets neglected. My relationship with him and my relationship with Jesus and my relationship with the Father can become something that only happens in certain moments of a week. And I clock in and I clock out. I pitch up every now and again for a meal or when I'm in trouble. It's like our teenage children, you know. The only time we hear from them is when the money has run out. It's a beautiful thing to be in a, in a lifelong relationship with a living God that is defined as faith. And I trust Him, and I lean on Him, and I look to Him, and I listen to Him. We don't live by sight, but we live by faith. John chapter 20, verse 24 to 29, there's an amazing story of one of Jesus' disciples. He's the guy who was the exact antithesis of what it is to live a life of faith. He goes by the name of Tom. Thomas the Doubter. What an incredible thing to, to be known as, as somebody who was the Doubter. And yet, before we become too critical of him, and too harsh with them. One of the things that we need to do is recognize ourselves in the story. If we were in this situation, what would we have been like? Now, Thomas was one of the twelve. He was called the twin. And he was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger in the mark of those nails, and place my hand in his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them, although the doors were locked. This is Jesus. I just love how extravagant he is. The door is locked. He waits for them to lock the door. Close the door and lock it. The door was locked. Jesus came and stood among them. And I just love how funny this is because I love how John puts this in there. And he says, peace be with you. I mean, I, if I was inside of a room with a locked door and Jesus is suddenly there, he's come, I don't know how that happened with they see him coming through the wall. Suddenly he's there among them. Like, he needs to say, peace, peace be with you. Just calm down. The guys are like, yeah. Then he said to Thomas, it's beautiful. Eh? Before he speaks to you, he says, peace be still. Then the first person he speaks to he speaks to Thomas. He looks him in the eye. He wasn't even part of that conversation. He looks to him straight away. He says this, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. And I don't think Jesus is, is cross with him or angry. I think he's incredibly compassionate and he's kind. He says this, don't disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him and some versions of the Bible would say, and some of the accounts of this in the other Gospels said, he fell at his feet, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen? Blessed, and this is what Jesus was seeing when he said this, he was seeing you and me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. Friends, there's something about a company of people who believe only because they've heard. And right now, we're not physically seeing Jesus. We're not, we're not physically handling Him and touching Him like these disciples did. But we're a people 
who are just hearing him. We're hearing the stories about him. We're hearing him when he speaks to us out of his word, when he speaks to us through a dream, when he speaks to us through a vision. Jesus says to you and to me, blessed are you who believe without seeing. But there's going to come a day where we're going to see him. And those who are loved ones who've gone to be with him, they live in this place that we envy to be in one day where they see Jesus face to face. They're no longer just hearing his voice. The world we grow up in teaches us that seeing is believing. And we quickly learn to think and speak like Thomas, that unless I see, I will never believe. And we live on the outside of the incredible inheritance of God. We live in a world that demands that we give evidence before we put our trust in it, that we are given evidence before we put our trust in something. We've actually grown up learning to instinctively be untrusting or to mistrust. Evidence that is based on experimentation, observation, and recorded results. We live in a world full of things that are competing for our attention and ultimately our affections, and they're screaming at us, look at me, look at me. What we see and what we give our attention to are, are very, very important. Matthew chapter 9, Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion. In Matthew chapter 14, Peter saw the wind and the waves. He's walking on water and he begins to sink. Jesus sees, he has compassion. Peter sees, looks at the wrong thing, sets his attention on the wrong thing, and he starts to sink. I want to ask you today, what are you looking at? What are you seeing? Because if you're seeing things in the natural, what you're seeing in the natural will inform what goes into your heart, and what goes into your heart will come out of your mouth, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth begins to speak. And here's the test. You don't start with trying to see right. You just start it. Just do the, do the diagnosis. What is coming out of my mouth? Oh, is something going on in my heart? Oh, what's going on in my heart is because of what I'm looking at. I'm looking at a reality that is very real, that is very true, that is very powerful, but I'm discounting a bigger reality that needs to be informed by what I'm hearing from heaven. What is it that God is saying? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 to 18. Just write this down. It says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. I want to say to you, Zimbabweans, do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. I don't know how you don't lose heart in the natural. I don't know how you don't lose heart. I look at what was happening last year when we had such incredible hope springing from the hearts of millions of people. A year later, nothing's changed. In many ways, in the natural, things have got far worse with no promise of anything going to change. And a history of things constantly just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And I want to say specifically to the young people, don't allow your hope to be stolen from you. Your hope has to be anchored in something. It's not anchored in what the politicians are saying. It's not anchored in the circumstances. It's not anchored in the value of, of your finances. It's not anchored in, 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 in how much fuel there is. It's not anchored in the quality of education. It's anchored in another reality that God wants to lift your eyes to and begin to see. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, and uh, Paul was qualified to speak about this, I'm not. He'd been shipwrecked, he'd been left for dead, he'd been beaten. 
He'd been persecuted. He'd been hated. He'd been lied about. He'd been reviled. He talks about all of those things as light and momentary troubles. They are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix, friends, we fix our eyes. We fix our eyes. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, on, but what, what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The Bible describes in a number of places what it means to live a life of faith. faith. The Bible describes in a number of places what it means to live a life of faith. Not moved by what we see, but we're moved by what we're hearing. Like blind people, we've attuned our hearing. We've attuned our smell. We, can, we begin to discern things with our spiritual senses. Our hearing and our smell, our discernment and our hearing. What is it that God is saying? Just a couple of things that we read in the Bible. Number one, firstly, the Bible describes what it looks like to live a life of faith. Living a life of faith means facing the facts without giving into unbelief. Facing the facts without giving into unbelief. See, I don't believe that biblical faith is ignoring the facts. Romans chapter 4, verse 18 to 21. The Bible's talking there about a man called Abraham, talking about his faith, a wonderful example to us. And it speaks there about the fact that, that when Abraham hears this incredible promise that he's going to be the father of nations, he looks at himself and he looks at his wife. There's been the incredible track record of no children for a very, very long time. She is completely barren. He's got to the point where he is, forgive my de description, he's shooting blanks. There's nothing happening with him. Nothing happening with him. She looks like a piece of leather. I mean, she's really, 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 really old. I mean, the idea of having children, I mean, I mean my wife is not very, very old, but the idea of having children is a very, very distant memory. We, 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 Lord, please, no. <laughs> Bless someone else. We have three blessings, you know. And they're finally at the stage now where they could be taking care of us. Hallelujah. Bless God. The reality is, the facts are, as he looks at it, it's, it's a mess. And this, this version here describes it. It says, facing the facts that his body was as good as dead and his wife wasn't any better, facing the facts, he did not waver through unbelief. And we need to be the kind of people that we're not scared to face the facts. Friends, Zimbabwe is in a mess. And Zimbabwe has been in a mess for a long time. Zimbabwe is riddled with corruption. Zimbabwe is the product of incredibly shocking leadership. Zimbabwe is like many African countries, ruled by dark powers of witchcraft that have had holds on this nation and on the nations in Africa for so many years, and they've not turned to the living God, and they've not bowed their knee to the living God. That's the facts. But as I look at the facts, I see a fact that is bigger than these facts here. It's a fact called God. That God actually is the king of the nations. That God actually has in his heart purposes and plans. And there are things that he wants to do. And that actually God caused you and me, or you, me here for this week, to be in this nation for a reason. To be a light to the Gentiles. To be an expression of the, the incredible hope that is being held out for people. 
But friends, if we, if we are only looking at the current reality of the facts, we allow our hearts to waver through unbelief and we stop trusting in God. Unbelief is to stop trusting in God. It's to let go of God. It's to, it's to let go of our, our firm grip on God. Biblical faith, living a life of faith means facing the facts without giving into, into unbelief. Secondly, living a life of faith means listening to and responding to God's word. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 to 17. Beautiful scripture there that talks about how actually the gospel comes. And it talks about ultimately, it says this right at the end there. It says, I think in verse 17, it says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. And so whenever Jesus is being spoken about, whenever Jesus is being uh, described, whenever Jesus is being, um, is, is being, the biography of Jesus has been written, the things that he did and the person that he is, what happens is actually when we hear that message, that's when faith starts to come alive in our hearts. Friends, I, I was uh, enjoying the time of worship with you guys, but I wanted to say this to you, that God wants to break off of you as a church some of the conservatism that ex exists. And I'm not talking about acting like you're happy and, uh, and dancing. And, and I'm not talking about the outward. I'm talking about God wanting to get to the heart of people here. When you begin to see Jesus, when the reality of who Jesus is has gripped your heart, when the description of God and who he is, and, and the, the magnificence of Jesus is, actually you realize his worship, you begin to worship. Somebody once said that, that the foundation of worship is worship. When we see his worthiness, when we see how absolutely spectacular he is, we begin to declare words and songs and music that begins to honor him rightly. He's worthy of it, friends. Living a life of faith means listening to and responding to the word of God. When the message of Jesus, when the message of who Jesus is starts to come into our lives, actually what starts to happen is faith begins to erupt in our hearts. Who is Jesus to you? Let him begin to alter that picture. Revelation of Christ is the foundation of, of the church being built. Jesus said this when he asked his disciples the questions. He said to them, who do people say that I am? And they gave them the disciples gave the contemporary description of who Jesus was. Some say you this, some say you this. And then Peter, by the power of God, God revealing this to him, says this to him. He says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And in that moment, Jesus turns to him and says, on that rock, on the rock, that rock, that revelation that you've had of who I am, I'm going to build my church. Until your faith starts to become an incredibly powerful thing. When we, when we listen to the Word of God, especially the Word of God about Christ. Who is Jesus to you? People who've got a big faith, have got a big vision of who Jesus is. People who have an enlarging faith are a people who have an enlarging understanding of the message of who Jesus Christ is and what He's doing. Third thing, living, living a life of faith is living with a confidence that God has the power to make something out of nothing. It's called a miracle. And so in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 to 3, it says, Now faith is the substance, oh, sorry, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. And then he, he begins to describe how faith has been active in so many different ways and with so many different people. He says this, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God. The universe 
was created by the Word of God. We're not, we're not even, we're struggling to even understand that as a concept. With all the technology that we have, this idea of the universe. I mean, we, we, we're trying to understand a galaxy, which is one of many, 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 many galaxies that falls inside this thing called the universe. Never mind how that fits into this thing of time and how time then fits into this thing of eternity. And we're trying to pigeonhole God. But this incredible thing, the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And this is a real problem for some of our friends who are very clever and who are trying to come up with all kinds of uh, theories on how the world came to be as it is. It was like this. Let there be light, and so there was. Let there be this, and so it was. The beautiful thing in the book of Genesis is that God speaks, and so it was. And God speaks, and so it was. And God speaks, and so it was. And you know, the only thing that comes between God speaking over your life, and God spoke, and so it wasn't, was actually our inability to believe God, to do what God can do. Living a life of faith is living with the confidence that God has the power to take something, to take nothing and make it something. You look at your life, you feel like your life is nothing. God, you're, you're a great candidate for God to do something supernatural. There's something that doesn't exist in your life right now. God speaks it into existence. He looks at you and I says, he looks at your marriage, he looks at your children, he looks at your finances, he looks at your business, he looks at your friendships, he looks at your country, and he sees nothing and he says, this is a great opportunity for me to do something. Because when God speaks, he creates something out of nothing. I've got nothing to give. Good, come here. I'm about to do a miracle. There's no wine. There's only water. Good, I'm about to do a miracle. I'm going to change it from water into wine. This nation has nothing to offer the world. The bread basket of, of Africa has become nothing. God's saying, great candidate. Great candidate to do something incredible here. I'm just looking for somebody who will agree with me. I'm looking for a humble man that will say, Lord, you're cleverer than me. And actually, I'm gonna, the humblest thing I could do is just to agree with you. Agree with what you're saying. Number four, living a life of faith is using our God-given ability to dream big and ask big. And one of the things that happens in a, a place like this is that people stop dreaming. Because when your hopes are disappointed, and they're disappointed, and they're disappointed, and they're disappointed, you start to live with this thing of, I must just wake up and face the reality. Stop dreaming, my son, and just face the facts. You, you're a dreamer. Stop dreaming. God wants to take us back to the story of Joseph. And he wants to remind us that he is a God that gives young men dreams. He's a God that gives young men dreams. And maybe you had a dream as a young man and you're an old man now and you've never seen those dreams realized. You've been disappointed. You've been frustrated. You felt like you've been let down. You were a young, young man who's now, who's now become an old man and you've become cynical and you've stopped dreaming. I want to say to you that somebody who lives a life of faith never stops dreaming. They never stop dreaming. They never stop dreaming about a reality and a possibility that could be one day. Every reality that exists today, including you, started as an idea or as a dream. You were a figment of your parents' imagination. You were a happy thought one time long ago. You were a dream. You were a non-reality. And somebody 
put their faith into action and now you became the reality. Every reality begins as a dream. I want to say to you today, don't stop dreaming. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 to 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or imagine. That word imagine means dream. Whether you're dreaming at night or whether you're sitting in a place and you're visualizing something that could one day be a reality. It's not a reality now, but you begin to dream. That's why prisoners can be incredibly free because nobody can chain the dreams of a young man or a young woman as they sit in their prison cell because there is a dream that they have. You begin to imagine. You begin to see a possibility with your mind's eye that is not yet a reality. That's what it means to live a life of faith. And God says He does more, abundantly more than ask, all that we ask or imagine. I want to ask you today, God is often limited because we're not asking or imagining. If God does abundantly more than all we ask or imagine, my question to you is, what are you asking or imagining? What are you imagining for this church? What are you imagining for this city? What are you imagining for this nation? What are you imagining for this continent? What are you imagining for your marriage? What are you imagining for your children? What are you imagining for your business? So that's a waste of time, Kev. I should be out there making it happen. No, no, take a couple of hours in the week somewhere and begin to imagine things that don't yet exist. Begin to dream. And then say to God, God, you said... That beyond all that I can ask or imagine, your power working in me can bring that stuff to pass. And I've just got to be patient and I've got to just keep believing you and I've got to just keep listening to you and this stuff will become a reality. The last one, and I'll end with this. Living a life of faith means living with an eternal perspective in mind. Living with an eternal perspective in mind and not limited by what we see in the temporal. I read the scripture to you earlier, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, 2 Corinthians 4.16. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we, not look, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are unseen sorry, are transient, but the things that are seen, unseen sorry, are eternal. The things that are unseen are eternal. How, how much are you captivated, impressed by, overwhelmed by, daunted by, terrified by that are temporal things? That are temporal. When you step out of this life, whether you've had 40 or 50 or 60 or 100 years of living in this life, and you step into eternity, Somebody once said, it'll be like a blink. Your life will feel like a blink. That's what it would have meant. That's how long it would have been, just a blink. And the stuff that we get so consumed by here, the things that we get so impressed by, the things that we get so distracted by, the things that we get so depressed by, the things that we get so overwhelmed by, all of that stuff, we have to recognize that everything that we're busy with here is a preparation for eternity. Everything that we're investing in right now is for eternity. It's brushing my teeth yesterday morning, and I felt God say to me, Kev, you, you, you need to invest some of your finances more wisely. You're currently investing your finances in temporal realities. And I want you to start investing your finances in eternal realities. 
I want you to take some of your money and I want to put it in a place that will be, be accruing to you an eternal, an eternal reward, an eternal return. We don't live by what we see, my friends. We live by faith. And that means we're going to have to ask God to touch our hearing, open our ears to you. So won't you just, can I just pray, Vessi? Jesus, thank you for our friends, our dear friends in this place. What an incredible company of people, Lord, that have been called to be here at this time. Planted by your hand, Lord. Brought them here, Lord Jesus, because you want to do something beautiful in them, Lord God. But not only in them, but through them for the glory of your name. And thank you for this church, Lord. Thank you for King City Church. Thank you, Jesus, for the incredible things that you have begun the incredible things that you are doing. And, and I just thank you, God, that you would cause their hearts to be encouraged at this time, that courage would be put in them again, that they would be the kind of people that are not moved by what they see, but they live by faith. They do not live by what they see. They live by faith. And I thank you, Lord, that you would be the speaking master, that you would speak, Father, again and again to them about the incredible things that you are about to do, the things you want to do, the things you want them to do, who you are in the midst of this chaos, in this midst of uncertainty, that you are an anchor, Lord God. Those of you who are business people here, why don't you just raise your hand. You own your own business or you're involved in a partnership. Just raise your hand. It's like it's one of the toughest things right now. But I felt like God wanted you to see something, that you're not under a Pharaoh. You're under the Father of Heaven. And he's about to cause incredible blessing to come upon you. He causes incredible wisdom, incredible strategic understanding of what needs to be done and how it needs to be done. The provision of, of new partnerships, the provision of new markets, the provision of, of the finances, the provision of if you're growing things or, or growing animals or whatever it is, just the blessing on, on the produce that, that is in your, in your care. Lord, I just thank you right now that you would just begin to bless God, that you would open the heavens that the heavens are not shut over their lives, Lord God. I pray that you begin to open the heavens over their lives, Lord God, that there would be, Lord, supernatural supply. I pray, Lord, that you begin to cause them to dream and imagine what that would look like, Lord God, that long before it comes, they would see the reality with their eyes and hear because you've spoken to them about the reality that's coming. God, we break off of them limitations. We break off of them, Lord God, the, the plans of the enemy, Lord. I pray where there's been a lack of wisdom, where there are things that you want them to shift, and change. They've not been listening to you as the senior partner in their business. You've been speaking for a while, and they've not been listening. I pray that you give them the grace to not only hear, but understand exactly what you require, so that there would be blessing. Crazy, crazy blessing. Not only to take care of them and their families, but to take care of many, many others, Lord God. That they would become partners with you in the investment into your kingdom, that would see, God, you being glorified and people being done good. In Jesus' name. Amen.